We started off well against the old enemy, but then we got beat in games two and three. Thank God that next we've got Italy. Roll on the World Cup of 23. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Tartan Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest Scottish rugby news from the 2021 Guinness Six Nations. Following Scotland's narrow defeat to Ireland yesterday at Murrayfield, Tim and I are joined in the virtual studio by sports strength and conditioning coach Jordan and staunch Irishman Bretter O'Donoghue. Bretters, what do you make of the game yesterday? Uh, well, the O'Donoghue bit, uh, I'm not a fan of in the introduction. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, all in all, I think it was fair result, I would say. Um, not being biased towards my Ireland team, but... I think all in all, we definitely deserve to come away with a victory. Um, certainly, it was quite sloppy of us to give away that uh, we had a pretty comfortable 14-point lead. Uh, and somehow it sort of disappeared, a mixture of Scotland playing quite well, but also really basic mistakes from us. Yeah, what what do you think caused that lapse in concentration in the middle there? It's hard to know. Like, uh, like Ringrose and Lowe certainly had their like one of their poorer games in Maryland shirt. Um, I think Lowe's been found out a little bit defensively. Um, sort of he's still got that, I suppose, like you'd say super rugby gene of defending where it's, I think O'Gara was on the other day, like after it, saying that he's sort of 80% attack-minded and 20% defensive-minded, whereas Northern Hemisphere rugby, you don't get away with that. Like it was just, it was so soft for, I know he's probably, like it was a good run by Jones. Um I think it was Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Jones, yeah. Yeah, it was a good run from him, but it was so, so soft defensively. Um, yeah, it was a mixture of different things like that, I suppose. Let's just back into the game, but it was uh, always good that uh, relying on the wise old man of Johnny Sexton to get the three points and get us over the line in the end, eventually. Yeah, absolutely. It showed a lot of composure. It's interesting what you say about, uh, about Lowe there, about having a sort of super rugby... Um, the way he plays, I guess the same could be said for Hugh Jones. Uh, he's obviously very good in attack, but lacks a little something in defence in a similar sort of way. It's certainly James Lowe's getting found out a bit. I don't think Andy Farrell stand for it for too much longer in terms of before he changes the team around a bit. Well, obviously a lot of positives to take from the game as well. Uh, you put a huge amount of pressure on our line-out, which didn't go well for us. Jordan, do you have any uh, points from the game? What are your thoughts? Um, I think you just mentioned stats there. I think if Scotland look at the stats, they're going to be bitterly disappointed, especially when they look at line-out and turnovers lost as well. Um, I think it was maybe evident at the very start that Scotland hadn't played in a few weeks. Uh, after missing that France game, we were kind of just asleep the first 10, 15 minutes and then just couldn't get things strung together, just knock-ons, not getting high balls. We just couldn't get any sort of momentum in the game whatsoever. And I think apart from, well, Hugh Jones' try obviously was really well worked, but actually got a bit of play going there. Uh, Finn Russell's try was just bizarre more than anything, coming off of Stuart Hogg's face. I think that was a bit unexpected. And then again, just Hamish Watson just pulling strings in that back row, just cementing, a, cementing his place there. and. Showing what he can do close to the line as well, as well as his tackle success, just showing that he's got the grunt, just to kind of force himself over. But I think, yeah, I think Scotland will be really disappointed looking at that and 
a lot of errors from them in that game, 100%. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Ireland did get off to a very strong start. Um, well, well, one of the positives, I guess, from Scotland from previous years, after about 20 minutes, I felt like Ireland could have could have been a lot further ahead than they actually were. But uh, credit to Scotland for staying in the game at that point. Um, you know, they didn't let it run away yeah. from them. No, not at all. I think I think guys like Sean Maitland and Chris Harris kind of helped them in that sense, just in terms of you look like their like edge defence, just kind of backing off and just forcing the guys out wide. And it happened a couple of times for Ireland. And I think those two are pretty key. Those two are pretty key players in the defence from yesterday, um, which is positive to take from it. It's just, yeah, we just couldn't find a foothold in the game, I don't think. We just couldn't get anything going at all. Watson was pretty massive in that spell, like you're saying, um, where the game really could have got away from Scotland really quickly. Um, I think he was just able to slow it down and just sort of stop the bleeding, essentially, on the scoreboard, because Ireland were sort of very close to being able to, if they could put the foot down Scotland's neck a bit and get a few more points on the board. But, uh, yeah, credit to the guys you call out there, Jordan and Watson as well, just for they really slowed the game down and gave themselves a chance. And and from a new a more neutral point of view, Tim, what was your take on the game there? I mean, I guess I'm totally agreement with the other guys. I mean, I think the impact of being so totally outplayed in the lineout can't be underestimated. Actually, though, because I think it changes the whole nature of the game. When you go when you're against a fly half like Johnny Sexton, who can put the ball, you know, down the pitch, and you know you Ireland didn't have to worry about kicking the ball out basically because it was almost like they kick the ball out. They were they were getting the ball back, so I think the lineout was so key to that game. As I said, I don't want to sort of pick on one particular area because I think Ireland were very competitive throughout. But the way they picked that Scottish lineout apart, and I think once the confidence went, you, you, you know, they they got a, they got in there, they got a couple of early takes off the Scottish lineout, and then you you could you could just see by the way the hooker, by the way Turner was sort of standing with the ball. He, <laughs> He just didn't look confident from that point onwards, and 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 you when they did the picture of him behind, it was it was this it was as if there were all sort of Irish lineout jumpers there. There wasn't a you know a Scotsman to compete. I don't think it was helpful. But I think um, I think Gray did sort of get a, 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 a knock on his shoulder. I think it maybe affected him a bit. But as I say, the you know four marks the Irish, particularly on the lineout, because as I say, I think it, that really did give them such control of the game. James Ryan and Henderson were massive in the line-out for Ireland, like, just dominated in the air. But even, like, as you said there, Tim, see when, like, the hooker has no confidence. Like, if you lose two of your line-outs, like, early doors, like Scotland did, it just, you're trying to put the ball in, a, like, a sixpence. Like, it's just, you can just see the confidence drain from that whole Scotland set-piece. And, like, your set-piece is everything. I just, like, Johnny Sexton had all the time in the world and just had so much good ball yeah. that he was able to sort of dominate the game. I think at that point as well, the hooker is just going to start, they're just going to try other things. They've always got their go-to line-outs or whatever it is. I think at that time, you're just going to think, right, what else can we try? We've only tried this twice in the week. They might not know what this is. We've come up with a new line-out move. We've got to just try that now, but there's been no practice to it. And then that's just more errors upon errors. So it's just going to make it harder for the hooker. But I think... You can definitely see the work that Paul Connell's done since coming in. Like probably one of the best line-out jumpers in the world. Well, there was in world rugby. So I think 
you can see the work he's done, especially in their line out D, is just a pinpoint. They knew exactly where Scotland were going to throw it every time. Yeah, I mean, it was a Connell masterclass, I think, in the line Yeah, no, no, it was. And, and what was interesting, obviously, in the, in the first two games, Scotland, Scotland's line out had actually functioned very well. So it wasn't, yeah. they didn't go into yeah. the game, you know, being identified that was a particular area that, of big, you know, great concern for Scotland because they've been so efficient up till then. So, you know, to go from good line-out ball to at almost absolutely nothing was, was you, you know, quite a such a big turnaround. And I think that really did kill Scotland off. You know, other aspects of the game, it's just so difficult to know quite how the game would have gone aside because obviously, you know, Johnny Sexton was so good at controlling the game but he had good ball to do it. Whereas, you know, Finn Russell was always, always under pressure when he seemed to have the ball or, you know, and so it, um, you didn't really get the feel for the, maybe the, quite the matchup that we were expecting between the fly halves in the game, which was, you know, going to be one of the sort of highlights of the game. But certainly in terms of effectiveness, it was obviously Johnny Sexton one hands down, but he, he definitely had the ball to do it. Yeah, I think like yeah. as in Finn certainly wouldn't thank his forwards very much for that. Like that, like Johnny Saxon came out of that game looking like a more composed rugby player than Finn Russell in terms of obviously going into like the Lions debate and stuff. Um, like I just say, that was a matchup we all really wanted to see, but Finn just like had nothing to go off, like no solid ball, and obviously he's not going to be. And like I know he plays off flair and stuff a bit. But he's not going to be able to showcase his skills when he's having yeah. like really good ball coming back. Yeah, yeah. And talking about, uh, yeah, you're not having a good line out uh, as the Scottish hooker certainly wasn't, and you're um, you're lacking a bit of confidence. The last thing you want to happen is get absolutely goose stepped by an Irish prop, and it was <laughs> it wasn't just the one goose step; it was the two. Uh, Brett, the what, do you, what do you think of uh, <laughs> Furlong's old goose step there? I've never seen 19 stone move so gracefully in a rugby pitch. It was spectacular. I didn't know he had that in him, to be fair. But um, I think he was as surprised as anyone whenever uh, he threw a couple of boys under the floor from a step. But um, yeah, no, that was certainly a pretty good laughing point of the game. But uh, yeah, it's good to see Tag Furlong putting on, putting boys on skates. <laughs> and not just anyone, Finn Russell as well. Yeah, he put him on his back. Though. I, I, I do wonder if it should have been a red card. For the way that the uh, the Scottish hooker went down when he just holding that, uh, <laughs> that side step, you know, it's uh, some of the referees. <laughs> I think he was trying to make up from previous. I think he overran in the line, and I think Finn Russell got a ball over the top of him, and it was an image of Furlong just looking round desperately trying to catch Finn Russell. So I think I was he was going to say there's up. a picture of him trying to chase Finn yeah. Russell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he maybe seen himself on the big screen and thought, okay, I need to make amends for this now. I think it was the one after the other, which was the other thing. <laughs> you know, the turn, I mean, fairness to Finn Russell, Finn Russell did actually sort of get a hand on him. 100%. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> good boys. That's, that's, oh, that what a sign. Tenants being opened. <laughs> no, I could have got one actually. Sticking to the water after uh, yesterday's event. No, it was your idea to get on the beers tonight. Really. Yeah, no, I just got too excited yesterday. You're, you're anticipating an Ireland loss. Uh, yes, if <laughs> Ireland had lost, I would have had to have a drink to join the sorrows. But uh, I also would have been dreading coming on this. It had Ireland lost, I must admit. But. <laughs> 
Um, having said that, though, I mean, Ireland seem to be uh, pretty good at sort of, they seem to have the edge on Scotland when they when they play games recently. I mean, they, you, you normally feel that Ireland just have that, seem to have that little bit of control whenever they seem to play Scotland and, you know, seem to, to be able to win out. Is that a, is there anything Scotland can do about that or is <laughs> you're not going to let out your secret? I mean, I'd, I'll throw that over to Jordan. You might know more than me. I like, in terms of every time we like from an Irish perspective, every time we play Scotland, even if Scotland are having arguably their best Six Nations or best team, and they're still, I'm not afraid of playing Scotland ever. Like, and like that's not to be brutal to Scotland, but like after week one, you're wrong for the Grand Slam, your best ever Six Nations, and after obviously the France game didn't go ahead, um. But like you're still one win just on the cards, and it's just there's something still lacking about Scotland. Like there's just I don't know what it is. Like I feel like you need like three or four Hamish Watsons in the team. Like that sort of like you know, do you know what I mean? That character, um, which I don't know if like Finn and Hogg because of the way they play. I don't know if they're like capable of putting a team on their back essentially and getting over the line. I think getting over the line is the big thing. Sometimes I think when we get into their 22, it's just trying to convert. I think we kind of get a little bit of red line fever sometimes and it's, okay, what do we do now? What do we revert to? And then it's kind of panic stations. I think we've seen that a couple of weeks ago against Wales at crossing when we could have just taken our time. I think that's what can happen against against Ireland. But I would have said from yesterday that probably Ireland's best performance in the Six Nations so far in terms of just getting that line out ball and just putting things together. Obviously, Scotland were poor, but that's probably the best I think I've seen Ireland play so far this year. Brett, I don't know if you disagree or agree. Yeah, or... No, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that, to be fair. Uh, Ireland has sort of been slowly building. Like, each week, they have got a bit better, it seems. Um, I don't know if everyone would be rusty, I suppose, uh, like, going into week one of the Six Nations and stuff, but Ireland have really, like, grown into the competition. It's just a shame that they already recorded two losses before they started playing some good rugby. But um, I think, like, uh, I think it's Tag Byrne and Henderson and James Ryan were massive for us. Um, I, I know we've touched on it quite a bit, but yeah, all around that set piece ball and uh, around the breakdown and stuff, I think those guys in particular were outstanding and realistically were the difference makers. Yeah, I mean, the Six Nations is such a fine margin sort of tournament anyway, which, you know, which is its excitement because from week to week you've got get to, you know games where either side can win. And I think Ireland obviously had a difficult start to the Six Nations this year with losing the sort of players so so early on in the game. It was always going to be a struggle to win that. Close game with France. You know, France, a little bit of magic just did did, did for them, but they were pretty ruthless against Italy. And as I say, they're looking at, you know, I think their best performance of the championship so far was, um, was on Saturday against Scotland. You know, maybe that, like you say, maybe they let the game roll a little bit when they got 14 points up, but you know, they definitely deserve the win. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I thought they looked very powerful, like you said, Brett, around the, around the breakdown. Some interesting tactics from Sexton, he seemed very keen on the up and under the high ball, putting a bit hog under a bit of pressure there. Uh, do you think that was something Ireland spotted as a weakness, hog being a bit isolated at the back there? Yes, I would say so. Um, it's certainly like we all know Johnny Sexton has like an outstanding kicking game, but uh, as you say, it looked like they really 
like everything was just being pinged into that like back right hand corner just all day long going like up and under for Hog and I don't it's not that I think Hog's particularly poor under a high ball but um certainly like that tactic when we were sort of in the Scotland's 10 meter line or 22 uh he went more often than not to the up and under and obviously that first I think wasn't it Henshaw scored the first drive or it was all a bit messy um like the bounce was unfavorable and stuff and it ended up just breaking his way but but, yeah it certainly seemed like something they spotted beforehand it is a good tactic because I mean that well a Sexton put such height on the ball anyway and what that means is every time that ball comes down and we're talking about Hogg's ability under the high ball he's fine under the high ball but you every time he was going for those catches he had a one or two Irishmen competing with him for that ball so it's not it wasn't ideally kicks you know we've seen a lot of more pointless kicking in this this year's Six Nations but I think Johnny Sexton generally generally there was an Irishman up there to compete with to compete with that for that ball yeah yeah I think that's another reason as to why Keith Earls was starting because he is very good on competing under high ball yeah um, so yeah I think that's a huge like he was picked to start uh, for I'm assuming pretty much that reason that to get up and compete for the high ball so that's he, he always seems to look for it as well it's not just getting up for the high ball but when the ball comes down he seems to be the very quick at reacting to the you know whatever type of carnage sort of falls out of it he's he's always the man that sort of you know, he seems to be back on his feet very quickly. He's a good, good rugby player. Oh, so he, he, you know, he, he maximises. Yeah, he's really playing. solid. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's weird. He's like he can pick up on scraps that no one else can in those sort of situations. Um, it's as if he can somehow predict what where the ball is going to bounce or something. He seems to always come up with the ball a lot of the time. But um, yeah, he's a he's certainly Earls is a very solid player for Ireland. Like. I, th- I think as well. It's- Clever from Ireland, it's against, if you think back to the hooker, if a hooker misses his first two, three throws, his confidence just goes down. And again, if Stuart Hogg or any of the back three are missing one high ball, then another, that confidence just goes down. And all Ireland are going to do is just go again. Okay, let's throw this up again. He's got no confidence. We've got good chasers to even just get a tap back. I think Henshaw did that a few times. That's just taking the confidence and energy out of Scotland and you're just going to keep suffocating them that way. The one player who was maybe criticised for kicking slightly too much, especially towards the end of the game, was Gibson Park at scrum half for Ireland. It was the final three or four minutes. Um, maybe Ireland should have kept the ball sort of in hand, but uh, Gibson Park carried on kicking the ball down the field back to Scotland, giving them a chance to potentially score a try. Uh, Brett, do you think we should have seen Connor Murray come on at the end there to see the game out with a bit of experience? Um. Yeah, there's a point for that, I suppose, uh, bringing Murray on. I still think he's probably operating at about 60% fitness uh, at the minute. Um, like, he's sort of, even in the games he's played, he's been a bit, like, off the pace himself. But, as you say, in that sort of game management for the last five, ten minutes, would it have been good to have Murray on the pitch? I'd say so. Um, but I must admit, that nine and ten position for Ireland is, like, causing real concern at the minute in terms of obviously there was a stage there of about four years where Murray and Sexton were arguably the best halfback combination in world rugby or certainly Northern Hemisphere rugby for a while and like they're both now at the very end of their career and I can't think of anyone who's going to step up and we'll just have to wait and see sort of who puts their hand up to claim that jersey 
So you can't you can't see Sexton being around for the 2023 World Cup then? Mm, no, because he's like I mean he gets like he gets injured walking onto the pitch like most of the time. Like he's out, like as in do you remember in like O'Driscoll's last few seasons? Every time there was like a break in play, it's like, oh, who's that down? It's always, always O'Driscoll when he was finishing up, and it's always Johnny Sexton. He showed his class when he like he stayed fit and he was brilliant, like from the first to the 80th minute there against Scotland. But his fitness is always a concern, like, and obviously he's really easy to target in terms of like that's who your six and seven are going to go after. Like, well, also, um, in the ideal world, he would protect himself a bit, maybe. But he he likes that. He he likes confronting the back row. He likes he likes bringing them on to him, doesn't he? He he, he takes... yeah. It's a, like it's a massive part of his game. Like think about like that the pass he normally throws, where he takes it right up to the line and then just always fires like a flat pass, like that just cuts out like two or three defenders. Like you're always going to invite the contact in that scenario. So. Yeah, and it's like it is why his game is so good, but it obviously is a concern if he's getting smashed to pieces every game. Um, so, but if we keep him fit, like, why old is he now? Is he thirty four? Thirty six. So he'd be thirty eight. Well, thirty six. I I can't see him being oh. twenty twenty three World Cup. <laughs> it would be quite something. Well, I didn't... Um, Jordan. So obviously, it's not the not the results Scotland we're looking for. Is there any positives to take from the game? Mm. Yeah, I would say so. I think and if you're looking at some individual players, again, looking at Watson, just un- unbelievable again, just in terms of his tackle success. Um, yeah, I, would, I think we need to get some more players on the pitch, but I would definitely say Watson's done well there. Our edge defence, Maitland, just you've seen the guys that have the caps who have international experience and know how to sort of manage the game a bit better. Um from my point of view, I think, again, Chris Harris, I think, is a really good player for Scotland. He, he lacks that attacking threat, but in terms of his defence, I think he's probably one of the best 13s in the world for his defence. Um, and I think it's I think it's difficult in our centres because we haven't quite found a matching pair yet. I think our 12s changed every game so far or near enough. Um, Chris Harris has been the only one that stayed in at 13. So I think it's been difficult in that point of view. He's the one that stayed fit, I guess, as well. Because I mean, you know, you obviously had you know, Red Path and guys Lang coming in, but they've they've taken knocks and gone straight out. So it's it's been quite difficult to get that settled midfield. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think for Scotland, I think it's maybe a positive now that they've got. Maybe sounds bad, but they've got Italy the next game. I think just to try and rebuild a bit of confidence again. And that's not taking anything away from Italy. It's always a tough one, but. In the week, trying to get their line out sorted, and I think having this game next will push a bit of confidence onto them again. Maybe like England a few weeks ago after losing to Scotland, it's quite nice that they have Italy again to rebuild a bit of confidence and take that going forward and see what we can do from that point of view. It really annoys me about Italy being in the Six Nations, they're literally there to build up confidence. Like, like, like I'm sure we'll get onto the game of it, but it's really been bugging me this year in particular that, like. If you don't beat them by a bonus point, like try, like you've had a very poor game. Like, and it's just the lack of competitiveness from them is really frustrating. But I think, like Jordan is right, it's pro- it is the perfect game for Scotland to be playing. Um, but yeah, you'd like to think Scotland will bounce back there, and like Italy won't cause them anywhere near as many problems around the line out and stuff uh, that Ireland did. So yeah, yeah, it should be a decent enough game for them. 
I think hopefully for that game as well, we can see someone like Scott Steele get some more game time. I think he has three caps, three caps to his name. One of them was Wales in the Autumn Nations, and the other ones came on at flanker, and he's been on the wing as well. I think it was three caps. He's played scrum half once so far. So you feel quite sorry for him in that sense. So hopefully in a game against Italy, we can get some other guys on the pitch and give them some game time and try and build a bit more depth coming in that side as well. Jordan, are you worried about losing uh, Finn and Hogg to the national football team after their uh, after their sort of try in the first half? Oh, they they're trying. Pretty good football skills. Heading, oh. passing. It was the, uh, you know, that was, uh, I, you know, I could see that sort of uh, being a big bonus for the football team. I think oh, they, they would I, walk I, into the football team with that through ball from Hogg. 100%. And I just love the casualness of Finn Russell as well. Just a one-handed catch for the ball, little dot down. But in all fairness, fair play to Finn Russell to actually continue going and going after the ball. I think from behind, a lot of players might have stopped and thought, oh, he's knocked it on, kind of, because it wouldn't be obvious from behind. But yeah, some of the skills that were going on there, I mean, I was a bit perplexed when I was watching it and thinking, how, what is going on here? Has it come off his face? Has it gone off his hands? So, but yeah, great footballing skills from both of them. And again, credit to them just to finish that off and kind of build a bit of momentum from there and t- keep the scoreboard ticking over. Well, we might as well move on now and talk about the England game. They had France at Twickenham and they managed to get the victory. So a very, very good result for England. Jordan, what did you think of that game? I think probably one of the standout things so from that game for me was France's try off the line-out. I think that's the best try of the Six Nations so far. And if there's almost an epitome of French rugby of Jouet, then that's it there. Um, it's just such a well-worked try, I think. Uh, I think France will be barely disappointed, especially defensively a little bit, coming with some of Sean Edwards' uh, work that he does with them. I think Teddy Thomas is very, very poor defensively. He shoots out the line, misses tackles, and that was a weakness, I think, in that game. Um, but again, England, well played again, just building momentum. And you can see the intensity that England play at. It's just they work through that short period of play. Lots of intervals, working for 90 seconds, and they know when to kick the ball. They know if they're not going anywhere, okay, let's get rid. Let's put pressure on them from this kick and then just reset, go again. I think that's one of England's big, big strengths, definitely. Yeah, they definitely seem to be improving. Uh, They got off to a bit of a slow start, maybe due to the Saracens players being a bit rusty, having not much game time. Brett, do you think Ireland should be worried for next week? Um. I mean, England are sort of doing a bit of what Ireland are doing and growing into the tournament just too late um, in terms of to do any real damage. But would I be worried? I don't know. Like, Eddie Jones is, seems like he's still picking a team from 2016 and 17. Like, he's just, pick, he's just picking Saracens players who aren't playing rugby every week and people like Billy shouldn't be in that team. Um, like, Jamie George was dropped for the first time. And I think Cowan Dickey did brilliant. Um, thought he was class, but you can see like maybe Farrell and Atuja are the only Saris players that I would say fully deserve to be starting every week, just because they're so effective in what they do. Um, but in terms of would I be worried? It's in Dublin as well. Like I always fancy us to beat England in that game uh, when it's in Dublin. Uh, but I think it'll be close. It'll be. It won't be that dissimilar to the like how the Scotland game panned out. Um, 
it'll be it'll, it could go either way like but I think I must admit that watching that England France game though that was a good first half of rugby I think I've seen in many years like the first France try was like a bit lucky but DuPont showing his class again and then yeah that the one off the line out was like I'm not even a rugby coach and I was standing applauding it it was just it just looked amazing um like the literally every runner hit their hit like hit their lines and hit their hit their spot and it was class to watch but um which is weird to see that much structure in a French side but I think like you were saying like uh shot what the job Sean Edwards is doing there is pretty good one um there's still obviously faults and as you say Jordan like Teddy Toma uh few question marks still but um yeah no it was it was a really good game of rugby like I must admit and I don't really like watching England win rugby matches, but uh, it was a very enjoyable game of rugby. I think, it, I think it was good from England as well to come back because it's usually, I think if you look at England's games, especially around 2019, 2018, they would score tries in the first two minutes and they were just that serious momentum building. So I think for them to come back after France scoring after 90 seconds, two minutes was like pretty good from them. Um, but yeah, Brett, as you say, I still think there's a few questionable players within that team, but I don't know. Does it make it easier for Ireland now? Because Eddie Jones doesn't change who he has a team. The starting team is relatively the same. Does that make it easier to kind of analyse and see what they're going to do? Or as I mean, you would say it's like that England team is quite predictable now. Um, like, and I know Jones always builds for World Cups and whatnot, but like, there's certainly like six or seven players that you say like questionably like sorry there's a question of if they should have the shirt or not like I don't remember looking at an England team as much over the years and having genuine question marks with so many players starting um like there's some players who are like I was like Tom Curry's brilliant like I think he's a shooting um I'm still not decided on Johnny May yet he's so rapid but I think he just looks like a donkey like <laughs> he's just, like he's just he's just so fast, but I don't think he understands the rules of rugby sometimes, and it's like it's really strange to watch. Well, he's a bit of a racehorse with a donkey's donkey's head on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's back to a, a bit of his sideways running. Yeah, he's doing like yeah. whenever you're like 14 years of age and you just give the ball to the quickest person in your team and say run round him. Like he still <laughs> tries to do that, and you can't do that at professional rugby. Yeah, he's. Uh... I think he's been found out a bit this year. As you say, yeah. it's not looked as, uh, as effective. It's, uh, it's interesting you say that. I think they'll, they'll notice that. One thing I noticed in that game um, was well, the fact that Eddie Jones hasn't been changing his team around uh, leads to the problem where if people just expect to be in the team, I'm not saying they don't try as hard, but there's, there's no competition for places. And one of the one of the changes Eddie Jones did make this week was to bring in Malins at fullback instead of Elliot Daly, who, in my opinion, had a terrible tournament up to the game on Saturday when he came on the pitch and he was actually excellent. So, yeah, you'd, you'd think that that gave him like like as I said, Daly was brilliant when he came on, like, and I think um, what do you call him, Malins? Like, I he didn't do anything in the game really. Um, and you think if, as you say, if people are competing for space, like for spots, and if they're dropped for one week here or there, it'll give them a shake because I just there's so many of that team, like just turn up, train, and expect to be told on a Wednesday afternoon you're starting. Like they just know that they will be, and I think it's quite damaging. 
Yeah, I think you're right there. I think there's a few players there that, well, you mentioned another one there, you know, Billy Vinopola, as I say, you know, you've got other players in there that, you know, select them, get Billy, Billy Vinopola back playing, you know, really having to fight for his shirt again. You know, I mean, at the moment, why Sam Simmons uh, from Exeter isn't playing. And how how he, Sam Simmons isn't playing, I do not know. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think we touch on this every single week. You know, he scores another couple of gut tries in a, you know, for Exeter, and then he's, you know, and still never, never even gets a sniffing. But that's a, that's a, the odd thing about Eddie Jones is that you don't. It's almost like everybody thinks he should be playing, so for some reason he can't select him. You know, it's got to be. Yeah, him that's I, I think it's so there. strange. Yeah, he, he, he won't be. Yeah, I think you can say that for a few other players as well. I think George Ford manages the game really well, but England don't have much attack. And if you look at someone like Marcus Smith again. Incredible player for Harlequins, attacks the line, scores tries. I think he had his hundredth cap for Harlequins stuff at the weekend, and on average, he scores like ten points a game over that. And so, yeah, he's such exactly. a good rugby player. And but would he fit into the mold of how England play now? Not really. There's no there's no attacking there. You kind of it would be just wasteless putting him in. So it's such a difficult balance. But you think players like that, you should reward. With a cap, it's an international cap. It's, you should be rewarded for playing club level well. There's only questions that Eddie Jones can answer on those, I guess. Yeah, it's, he'll do the opposite of what everyone else wants him to do. It's just the nature of him. Yeah, he, he, he's not the type of man that would buy to media pressure. Like He's a he's, uh, fairly confident man, is Eddie Jones. Uh, not to say he's incredibly cocky, which he is. But um, he's like he's not going to be bullied by anyone into making a certain decision. Um, so I think that is like playing against him a lot in terms of it's more damaging that he thinks like that. Um, so yeah, there's definitely scope. I know he's we like I've heard Simmons mentioned every week, but yeah, there's certain things like it just doesn't make sense for them not to be in the team, and it would do Billy a massive favor in terms of if he if he gets dropped and gets. A kick up the arse, he'll start being the Billy Vanapola that he has been. Yeah, Billy Banter, uh, <laughs> as opposed to uh, being this season back to Billy Vanapola. Yeah. You know, it's an uh, interesting one. Who do you think actually, sort of just returning, we talked about sort of um, sort of Ireland versus England. Who? What about the potential Grand Slam decider? Do you think France will up their game again and get themselves back to beat <laughs> Wales? Yeah. Wales win games. Wales, again, if you look at the start of the tournament, no one would have expected them to be there. After Autumn Nations, you'd be saying Wales would have been fourth or fifth in the championship. But again, they just grind out games. And I think Wayne Pivag's been really clever in how he picks his selections. Again, if you look at starting with Dan Bigger, you've got great experience. And then just for that last half an hour, 20 minutes, Sheedy's been probably the standout substitute of the tournament so far coming on I would say and I think they're just building really nicely and they've got a whole 23 that can come on and do a job wherever it is um, I can't I can't have Wales winning the Grand Slam it's like like I know they win games and get over the line but I know there's like been a bit of banter about them playing 14 men like each time uh, and sort of winning games and I also, I couldn't believe how well-behaved George Moody was on your podcast last week when you asked him about the first two Welsh tries. Um, like, I obviously did, like wouldn't want England to win that game. 
really, but I was furious, like in terms of like the blatant knock on and like it was just it was the fact that they then won the triple crown and then obviously I know we haven't touched on the game yet, and then go and win com- so comfortably against Italy as well. Like I can't believe we're going into the final week with them needing to beat France to win a Grand Slam. Like I don't know how they're in that position they're in. Yeah, I mean I think they're a good side. I don't I don't think you you, you if they win it you you wouldn't think back on them being a great Grand Slam side this year, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they've won their games. They, you can't fault you know for what they've done. But uh, yeah, you, know, maybe like you, you brought it up earlier, Tim, that it's like because of the type of ter- tournament the Six Nations is, like it's literally just like heads or tails in some games, whether you win or lose. Like as in they, like uh, I know we said Ireland's best performance there was against Scotland, but. I would say the first half an hour after Omani got sent off against Wales, we were like unplayable. Like we were amazing. But then obviously it becomes a factor when you're playing the full match basically with 14 men and Wales went yeah. on to win and they did deserve to win that game in the end. But then the next week they play Scotland and through one bit of individual brilliance from Ray Samet, they then win by a point. Like it's sort of like, and their best performance of the whole tournament was the, their uh, win against England. But even that had its talking points as well. So I think you're right. They won't go down as a great Grand Slam team. But any team that wins the Grand Slam, like you, can, you can't really take it away from yeah. them over the course of five I games. Th- like I that. think the game against France this weekend coming up would be a really good game. Um, though I think, I don't know, after the England game, you've seen, was it Aldrete speaking to the TV? You could see how bitterly disappointed they were with that England game. And I think... If you're in the dressing room having Sean Edwards shout at you in some broken French and English, I think that's going to be the French guys will have a bit of chip on their shoulder and want to kind of finish on a high. I know they'll have the Scotland game whenever that is, but I think they'll really want to take it to Wales after such a disappointing loss to England for them. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Wales uh, combat that as well. You know, France... I think they're they're not a finished side yet, as I say, but you know they can actually produce a little bit of that magic in the game. It will be good. But in fairness, the Wales they've scored good tries. They get the ball out wide. Their wingers score. You know it could be a making to be a good game. The teams are a little bit looser now from the first couple of weeks. It's you know they I think the teams are all all the teams are trying to play rugby. So it's been a good yeah. Six Nations like that. So maybe that might be a, might be a great game. Yeah, I think and the, the Welsh like... player for Wales has been Balato who seems to be really hitting form, which is, I don't think he even started, he wasn't starting in the very first game, but now he's probably the first, first player you'd have down on the team. Lions, he's fit Lions year. Which is Palatow coming into Lions, Lions year. Just, again, I want to... There's a few, I mean, few good like, number eights at the moment. I think uh, CJ Standers playing very well at the moment as well. Yeah, but um, it's and it's obviously it's the it's Sam Simmons, who's not even played for England yet, but it, it, it's... Uh, he could potentially be starting for the Lions. I mean, realistically, if you're Welsh, you already have like one, you're already sort of in the jersey already with Gatlin being the head coach. That's true. But, as in, no, I, I completely agree. I think Falatau's been back to his best uh, the last few weeks. He's been unplayable, um, both offensively and defensively, um, which couldn't always be said, but at work rate, no, he just looks like a rejuvenated player. Like, and that, like I know you said it there, but I... At the minute, if you're picking it after the Six Nations, he would be starting number eight for the Lions. Like. So, looking to next week, Scotland playing Italy. Italy haven't put up much of a fight against any of the teams so far in the Six Nations. Hopefully that remains the case. 
Uh, but it's time for some predictions. So, uh, Brett, what do you think the Scotland Italy score might be next week? Um, by how much, really, isn't it? Um, I would say Scotland to win by twenty-five. I think you like you'll get the bonus point win. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, Italy always sort of turn up for one game of Six Nations, and they haven't done that yet. So. I mean, I know you'll be hoping it isn't <laughs> against Scotland, but um, they surely have something more to offer than what they've done so far. Like they've been so... You're sort of wanting them to turn up. You, you know, you, I know you're saying that you've been dis- obviously disappointed that sides more or less are sort of just taken for the for the bonus point. But you, you know, you're you're wanting that you're wanting them to do something. Hopefully, yeah. not too much against Scotland. But you, you know, you want them to do something. One thing they have done this year, in fairness, is. Uh, you know they have scored tries. You know they have got a bit of flair there. They, they, you know, a few years ago when they actually did better in the um, in the Six Nations, it was a lot of that was driven by sort of you know good set of forwards who could compete, who could generally compete up front. You know in the set piece uh, with all the nations. But this year they they do score tries. So let's hope. You know. Yeah, you just want to see a bit of something from them to like. I think you just brought it up either last week or the one before. Um, like they're really at the stage now where they need to justify their place in the Six Nations, um, and you like, I don't want to see them get relegated or anything, um, but you just want that. Like they've been in the Six Nations now. Is it twenty years? They've, they've been in the Six Nations. Um, twenty-one years. Twenty-one, and it's like you haven't seen them take the sort of next step. There's always bits mm-hmm. of like there's in they're now playing a bit of flair rugby, which they never used to do because they used to rely so heavily on. Um, like people like Parisa and stuff, just putting in outrageous performances to try and get them close to winning a few games. But so there's aspects that they're good to watch. I can't. What do you call you that winger who's come in uh, this season? Monti Ione. Yeah, he's been, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's been really good to watch. Um, but yeah, so I'd I'd like them to be at least I, very. Competitive I think they're against doing Scotland. well. Well, you'd like to hope they're doing well for the future. They're nine and ten with Vardy and is it Garbisi? I think that's a nine and ten. They're both really young, and again, they're both really talented players. So hopefully, they can start to build a really good connection, and then hopefully, build a team in and around them. Yeah, that would be good. And just uh, touching on that, Brett, the the final five nations back in nineteen ninety nine. I I can't remember. Do you remember who mm, won that? I can't possibly think. It might have been Scotland's last ever glory days. Have you won anything <laughs> since that final five nations game? I think I think we might have won the tournament. Yeah, I think, I think that's about that. I hate to say this, there's been a few wooden spoon games between Scotland and Italy in the last uh, over the, not over the last few years, but you know there was a few when uh, Italy was sort of playing a little bit more competitively. They were there was a few tight games at the end of the season for that uh, that wooden yeah. spoon. But I think uh, I think we would have won the we probably would have won the 2015 World Cup yeah. if it wasn't for that referee. Oh. When yeah. we were playing Australia in the quarterfinal, I think that was almost guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> we would have had Argentina in the semi-finals, and then. Oh, no. I mean, th- see, this is the this is the delusion. Like whenever you beat England at the start of the week, you were saying, "I don't <laughs> think anyone can beat us now." Like, <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> I, I must admit, uh, though, like obviously having been in Edinburgh with you, it's like watching a lot of Scottish rugby you definitely look like you're going somewhere at the minute. I don't know if you're building for the World Cup in a couple of years or not, but you actually do look like a good rugby outfit, which it couldn't always really have been said for a while. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. It'll be a, an interesting World Cup as well with Ireland in the group. We'll have Christ, to get over uh, to France for that game. Don't know if I'll survive that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is that? Very yeah, it's not an easy group, that, by any means. It'd be, it'd be nice for Ireland yeah, to do so, something in a World Cup. So, we go into it every single, like every four years, we are going in as like the, say, fifth best ranked team in the world and always go out in the quarters. So it'd be very nice for to see us try and do something. Yeah. No, hopefully it'll be a good one. We're trying to get tickets for it today, but uh, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's almost impossible. Oh, we'll try again on Wednesday. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, the game on Saturday Scotland uh, against Italy, not the final uh, game. A Scotland win, definitely. On. I'm gonna go small, I'm gonna go by 14 points, only 14. Uh, Jordan, he's broken up on me as well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's frozen. It's probably, uh, I've not kicked him out for saying only four. <laughs> yeah, points. I assume that's what that it was. was. Like, <laughs> have some faith, Jordan. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, back now. You're good. Uh, you're back. You Sorry. For like, um, uh, yeah, no, I would say Scotland. It sounded, it sounded like you said 14 points. Yeah, Scotland points. win by 14 sure points. You right. 14, 1, 4. 14 or 14. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Judging by the. Judging by the state of the Italian yeah. coach during the game against Wales and the way he was sort of covering his face, I think he, I think before the game he'll take fourteen. Yeah, I think so. That was so hard to watch. <laughs> no never th- I've never seen a man go like more and more bald yeah. as the games I went know. on. You just see. Like... Um, no, but I think I don't know. Is, can Finn Russell play in this game? Does he? Is he out? If he has, a, if he's had his HIA because he didn't come back on the field, he passed. Or he didn't failed. come back yeah. on. But whether that means. I, I guess they'll yeah, know whether exactly. he's um, the protocol this week. And... Yeah. The, only, the only confirmation I've, I've read so far is Scott yeah. Cummings is out with his hand injury, but yeah. Xander Fagerson is back yeah. in the squad. And, uh, okay, so we've got Brett says Scotland will win by 25. Jordan says only 14. Tim, what are you thinking? I think Scotland I think Scotland are going to bounce back and I think they're going to go hard at it. I, I'm going to put them at... I'm going to go for thirty-point gap difference. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and I'm going to go for <laughs> thirty-five. I think we need it. <laughs> All right, lads. No, it's been it's been really good to have you on the show. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. All the best against uh, England very much, next week, Brett. Hope, I hope you win that game. And uh, yeah, we'll get you back on again oh, soon. <laughs> no, perfect. Cheers, Tommy. Nice